Hi, I'm Mario. You're listening to the Improv Conspiracy Podcast, and these are my thoughts on taking care of the audience. The Improv Conspiracy Podcast with your host, Bronny. Hello, my friends. Good to have you. Thanks for being here. All those things that I say every week to the point that they lose all their meaning, but I continue to try to mean them. Today, I've got Mario Hanna on the show. He is an improviser and writer, and he's also one half of Swing Set, a show that I do with him every fortnight. Uh, I've been performing with Mario for six years or something like that. Um, so I've been super excited to have him on the show. Uh, I haven't known whether or not it would just be a big old gush fest about ourselves. Luckily, I think, um, we, we did talk about ourselves pretty much the whole time, but in a way that I hope is constructive and informative, uh, and offers some things that we discovered along the way, because that's what Mario wanted to discuss. Uh, some things that we learned about looking after the audience throughout our six or something years together performing uh there's no one i trust more to do improv with i can sling anything his way he can sling anything my way uh but as we cover in the show um that doesn't mean that we can just ignore the fact that an audience needs to understand what we're slinging so without anything more from me here's mario my friends My favorite moments in improv shows are when the improvisers are trying their best to mess with each other. And by that, I mean, just trying to surprise and delight each other. I love those moments when you can tell an improviser has surprised their scene partner. They'll come up with something so out of left field, so ridiculous that you can see their scene partner holding back laughter. You get just a little peek behind the characters they're playing to see the real people just having the best time together. They're surprising each other and delighting each other. And it's just so much fun to watch. I've been lucky enough to have done a lot of shows with Bronny. We're good friends. There's a lot of trust between us. So we feel pretty comfortable messing with each other on stage and just trying our hardest to make each other laugh. Um, sometimes it goes brilliantly. The audience is completely on board. They can see we're having a lot of fun together. They feel like they're in on the joke. They're, they're a part of it and we can all laugh together. Other times it just doesn't work. I'll come out in a scene with Bronny. I'll try something ridiculous or surprising just to mess with him. Bronny is clearly taken aback. He's trying to stifle laughter. We're having a lot of fun, but the audience is just not on board. I think it took us some time to learn what the issue was. Uh, messing with your scene partner and trying ridiculous things requires a lot of trust between the people in the scene. You need to feel confident enough to say anything you want, knowing that your scene partner will be able to handle it. And we have that trust. We're friends. We've been improvising together for a while. We trust each other. But we realize that the, that trust needs to extend to everyone in the scene. So that includes the audience. We learned that we need to earn the audience's trust before we can mess with each other. Otherwise, it's just the people on stage having way too good of a time. And the audience is left feeling like there's an in-joke that they're just not privy to. So it means we need the audience to care about the characters we've created on stage. We need the audience to see that we know what we're doing. We need to establish how the show works and what we're trying to achieve. 
Um, and then once the audience is along for the ride, only then can we mess with each other. We can take huge risks, do weird things and have as much fun as possible, just all with the aim of surprising and delighting each other. Because we've taken care of the audience, we've let them into our world and now everyone's in on the joke. This is going to be um, maybe one of my favorite podcasts, but also like one of my most shameful ones because I'm just going <laughs> to listen back and hear how much I'm just like, we're talking about ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> me, 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 me. Yeah. That's what I was worried about as well. It's very like, yeah, I was talking to my good friend Bronny the other day. <laughs> and we said, I uh, remember when Dave Rosowski improvised <laughs> It's funny because I originally, when I thought of doing this, I was like, oh, I should have Mario on first. But now that I'm like, man, it's probably good that I didn't do Mario first because then yeah. it might have seemed like the podcast was just like, let's talk about all the improv I've done. Yeah. Cool. So um, you talked about earning uh, audience trust um, and like letting them in on the joke before you mess with each other and stuff. Like, can you blow up that point and describe some like ways in which we have figured out to earn the trust like what do we do what are some what are some things we talk about yeah i guess um one concern about choosing this topic for the podcast was that i felt like i was kind of just choosing a really fancy way of saying establish the who what where <laughs> at the top <laughs> which is just the most basic kind of improv <laughs> but uh i think yeah it is really just focusing on those basics but aside from the who, what, where, it's also establishing that relationship between the two characters on stage, uh, making it clear why these characters care about each other, uh, and I guess making the audience understand why they should care about these characters. Because I think if the characters are either not well-defined or it's not really clear why they like each other or why they're even in the room together then the audience really has no reason to be invested and we need to give the audience that reason to be invested. And going back to that original point, I think it's only then once they're invested and they care about the characters, um, will, the, will they then accept, you know, the more ridiculous things, the, the more playfulness, the, uh, that messing with each other, that's all things that can only come once the audience is relaxed and they feel like they understand what's going on and they're invested in what's going on. Yeah, I think that uh, that relaxed part is like really important. I feel like to me it's like you step on stage and the audience sort of like leans forward in interest and then like your job first of all is to like get them to like recline back in like, oh, yeah, I know I get this. Yeah. Because um, if you keep them in that like lean forward spot, they're like constantly trying to figure out and negotiate with you what what is happening and yeah. if you can get them to like relax into it and go like, Oh no, I sort of recognize this or I can relate to this or I can, I've seen this before. Then you can, from that point, from that point where it's like a, a relationship they can attach their own feelings to, then you can sort of subvert that. Yeah, exactly. I think um, we have to put ourselves in the audience's shoes yeah. and assume that they're seeing an improv show for the first time. So we have to establish some really basic conventions before we yeah. even yeah have any opportunity to to try to surprise each other or or do anything that's out of left field. 
and we've talked a lot about um like I feel like every single time we have a show we have to remind ourselves to go slow first. Mm. Um and to really care about stuff because you can't get an audience to care about anything if you don't. Yeah, there's uh you know, you can't just come out in a scene in scene one of a show playing, you know, like a a crazy wizard character from the future. Um <laughs> And, you know, it might be the funniest idea in the world. It might be super creative and might do it very well. But it's just so out there that um, the audience hasn't had the chance to ground themselves yet. Whereas you can do that exact same scene at minute 50 of the show. Yeah. And it will go amazingly yeah. because of everything that's come before and because of that that trust and all that work that we've put in um, right. to get the audience to that place. I remember like one of the dumbest examples of this in joke, like having like bringing the audience in on a joke um, that I can remember from one of our shows is that there was a time when holding one arm up meant that you were a mattress. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like that, even just saying that sentence out loud is ludicrous. It's bananas. Yeah. And like, um, but it was sort of like the sequence of events led us down. Uh, like we were in some, where were we? Like an old tra- train tunnel? Yeah, old and- train yard or something. And I think um, uh, I think I, I tried to, I just wanted to play like a, a lever, like one of those levers <laughs> on the tracks that changes the direction. Of the <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, kind of, I just kind of lay down with an arm in the air. Yeah. And, um, and I think Andrew <laughs> just said, oh, that's my mattress. <laughs> <laughs> so then for the rest of the show, um, anytime the the mattress was mentioned it was just someone with their arm in the air like a lever for no yeah reason. and again if that's in like the first 10 seconds of the show that's just like what are these like these people are making things up with reckless abandon yeah whereas like it. i think at a certain if you're even just 10 minutes into a show that has so far been like oh these people have it under control and they seem like we can trust them then you can say uh hey that's my mattress and totally not what it looks like Mm-hmm. Um, then the audience is like, I'm happy, I'm happy to make that concession in my mind and go like, okay, hand up in the air is mattress. Yeah. Um, cause then like for the rest of the show, we did mattress, we showed a mattress a bunch of times, right. If I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah and it right. got a laugh every time. It's the dumbest thing in the world. Yeah. And then like, you, you can't go out, you can't go to your office the next day and be like, Hey, she's seen these, this improv team play a mattress last night was real funny like it just doesn't make any sense yeah anytime uh you try to describe an improv show and you're trying to essentially like recreate that magic that happened in that room that was built up over an hour and you try to tell someone the next day about a scene in isolation and it makes no sense it's never funny to me that like that's how i feel like I feel like we've done a good job when something makes no sense in isolation, but it was it was working in the show. Yeah, um, that's when I feel like we've done the right. Um, we've earned that trust, and we've gone slow enough that we can make sense of something off the wall. Yeah, and that's I think I touched on that um, at the start, but um, that's what what I think I mean when I say you know it's an it's an in joke mm-hmm. that the audience is in on. Yeah, you know. Um, I think uh, that's because we've we've let the audience in on that joke and we all feel like everyone in the room, we all feel like we're in on the same joke. That's why it doesn't work at the start of the show because um, 
at that point it's an in-joke between the two players on stage and no one else. Yeah. Everyone else feels like they're being left out. This is sort of maybe a sidestep, but I think it's going to be relevant. Um, I remember when we had, it was a small car again, so it was um, back when we played with Andrew a lot. Um, We had Patty Styles come in to train us and she came to a show first. Um, For those who don't know, Patty Styles is like a Melbourne legend of improv. Check her out. Hire her. She's awesome. So Patty came and saw a show before she trained us, which uh, was above and beyond. Uh, But the first thing she did when she got to our training was she had a notepad and she just asked, like she outlined all the things we did at the start of our show from like the very moment we entered the theatre through to like the first five minutes. And she just asked us why she, why we did everything. And we didn't have an answer for any of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nothing was deliberate. Yeah. It was thought out. Yeah. And I think that really, I felt like that really changed us in terms of like, uh, in being deliberate and like having a reason why we do things and actually choosing to like outline what we care about in our shows. And that's mainly for the audience's sake, right? Yeah, right. Because she was like, it was because we used to come into the theatre dancing, which was a hangover of an old joke. And she was just like, that gave me whiplash because you you do the dance and it seems like it's going to be a really high energy show. And then the first thing you do is you get a word and you start in silence. And it's like, yeah, yeah that's weird, isn't it? <laughs> and that all like that all plays a part in like the audience, whether or not the audience is going to feel like these people know what they're doing. Because if it just seems haphazard and all over the shop, then it's like I don't, I don't trust these performers. And I see it in in classes as well, like that power that an improviser has to, um, to just even like a, an opening, an opening of a Harold that that might be a little weird. If it looks like one person in the group thinks that it's weird, then I'm going to think it's weird, and I'm going to think it, these guys don't know what they're doing. Whereas if they're all like, this is the best thing we've ever done in our lives, then that goes a long way for me thinking that it's the best thing. That's why um, I hate openings. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Elaborate. (laughs) I just think it's it's the most abstract part of an improv show. Yeah. And that's how we start the show. without just the audience just has nothing to to hook in on because it starts from the weirdest place and then it starts to make sense later um and that's always just really bugged me for the same reasons that we've been talking about because i feel like we we welcome the audience in in a state of confusion and then hope that you know we we kind of um put ourselves at a disadvantage and then we have to spend spend some time clawing them back in. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's so fair. I actually because I I think I've thought of Harold openings a bit selfishly for a long time because like I stayed on a Harold team for probably too long and the one reason that I remained there was because openings still terrified me. Mm-hmm. So I was like I love that I don't have a handle on this. Like I feel like I've got a handle on two person scenes. I I feel pretty comfortable and confident. Um, but an opening really terrifying. Like every time our intro music is playing and I'm about to do an opening, I'm like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And that's why I kept going back because I, I loved not feeling good at it. 
but that but you're totally right. I think that's a <laughs> that's a selfish lens I was looking through. Not really a is the audience uh, are we really gaining the audience's trust with this um, while we're all like flapping around the the stage as bats or some something nonsensical. Mm. Yeah, and uh, now because I feel self-conscious, um, if you'll allow me to backpedal for a second, um, <laughs> go on. <laughs> I've seen some, <laughs> I've seen some amazing openings. Um, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, have been brilliant and you know, have set up the show really well. Um, but it is it is kind of a, a risky proposition at the, at the top of a show. It's kind of um, it doesn't always work. When it works, it can be amazing, but right. when it doesn't work, it's it's really it can be hard to claw back from. For sure, yeah, and I think um, I totally I I appreciate that you weren't willing to stand by your original hot take. <laughs> I'll change my opinions on a dime. If it means you like me more. And just going back to Patty again, also that same that same session we had with her, which I think was um, instrumental in us like improving a lot was um we started a started a run in front of her and we were in like a truck stop and uh I came out of the toilet uh like the very first start, very first bit of the show was you sitting down at the counter I came out of a toilet and I sat down next to you and started eating a burger and we started talking about nonsense who knows I can't remember but um Oh, sorry, no, I didn't come out of a toilet. I just walked on stage, sat down, started eating a burger and started talking to you. Um, okay. And then it was Patty who was like, um, what are all the things you know um, based on like that first like three seconds? And we were just like, um, we're at a diner. <laughs> <laughs> and Patty was like, well, no, obviously Bronnie's character is coming back from the toilet because the burger was already there. Um, so when he walked on to a burger already sitting on his plate, he must've already ordered it and received that burger. So he must be halfway through his meal. He must've taken a toilet break. So why are you starting at the start of a conversation? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, there's so much I'm missing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, that's kind of really fed into something that we try to do in every show now, which is start slow and kind of. I don't know if micro listening is the right word, but just mm. picking up on every little detail and just yeah, using that um, and just taking taking stock of like everything that we could possibly know in those first moments. Mm-hmm. A side effect of our like original uh, when we first became aware that we need to slow down because our best shows were the shows that started in a more measured, grounded way. When we first started like focusing on that, we also then started being too low energy right like we'd sometimes be like we wouldn't know how to get out of that molasses sort of Mm -hmm. plodding improv and we realized that like slow doesn't mean low energy yes exactly yeah i think people think start slow and they just go straight into this kind of super realistic just true to life slice of life kind of scene that's just two people just sitting in chairs near each other yeah um, I think uh, there was one stage where we had to be like, okay, can we start a show where we're not both sitting in a chair? Because <laughs> um, every scene would just, it would be a different scenario, but it would be, oh, this time Bronny's at a sewing machine in a chair. <laughs> oh, he's typing at a keyboard in a chair. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, and it was just the most static, boring, low energy openings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I do just want to mention, like you, you mentioned holding back laughter. For my taste, there's a fine line between, like I love seeing an improviser hold back laughter in an attempt to commit, but there is a point where I hate it if they're really letting, and I'm guilty of this all the time, mm-hmm. of really letting that laugh take them. Yes. Um, I agree with that. And I think that's another reservation I had about this topic. Yeah. I am not a fan of uh, laughing and, and breaking a lot on stage. Yeah. But uh, what I do think is the funniest thing in the world is um, someone who is just hellbent on committing to their character and progressing the scene forward. And you can tell that just with every fibre of their being, they're yeah. trying their hardest to keep it together. <laughs> but they can't. I think that is just a wonderful, beautiful, joyful moment. Uh, what I don't think is as enjoyable to watch is when someone is, is just more than happy to laugh at any given point in the show. Yeah. And will just laugh because the thing that's happening is funny. Yeah. And, it, and they know it's funny and, and for no other reason. Um, I think it can very quickly and easily become a crutch as uh-huh. well because the audience does respond to that. Yeah. So you can, you know, it can just be a panic move just to, to laugh and, you know, and knowing that the audience will laugh with you. But I think, you know, um, for the, the show as a whole, especially if you're trying to put together a full hour long mm-hmm. show, mm-hmm. it's a very um, short-sighted and kind of, uh, yeah, it's a short-sighted way to get a quick laugh, but it's kind of, crumbled the foundation of your show a little bit because you've um, very quickly kind of broken that reality. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm like, and when I say I'm guilty of it, I just am like, um, uh, like there have been, so the, the cruel part about this is like, I have to perform with you all the time and I think you're, you're really funny. So I like, it's really, it seems really easy for you to destroy me. And when I get that, so you're really good at the at the former, which is like um, clearly you want to laugh, but you're you're not letting it happen, and you do this thing where you like curl your lips back into your own mouth, <laughs> <laughs> um, and like me getting you to that stage is like the holy grail. I get, I reckon, I get it like maybe once once in every three shows, mm-hmm. and but whereas like you're getting me multiple times a show, <laughs> and. <laughs> And I can like I can confirm what you're saying in like it being damaging to the foundations because I find it hard to then like I need to then get back into the scene like mentally mm-hmm. and it's like I've just stepped out of the pool basically and like I've got one foot in the pool and one foot out and I need to get back in and it's like a hard task. Yeah, I think um, if I may use a basketball analogy. Fucking please. <laughs> Um, it's like, uh, I think in those moments you've, um, you've benched yourself and you've gone (laughs) and and you've cooled down on the bench. Um, Uh and then, um, to get back in the game, you have to warm up again and Mm. it takes a while to kind of get that blood pumping again because you've been sitting down and the lactic acid has been building up. (laughs) Um, I love, I love that. 
Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I've been rewatching the, the office in quarantine. Um, mm-hmm. and I noticed how good Steve Carell is at just saying the most ridiculous things, but just completely stone faced, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that is just such a great skill to develop and work on to just be able to keep your face completely serious, even while the other people in the scene are crumbling around you. Yeah. Something funny is happening. <laughs> if you can be the one person who's just completely yeah. blank faced and, and just yeah. saying, what's, what's going on, everyone? Yeah. <laughs> and this is such a cruel thing about playing with you too, because that's when you like, I'll see you either not reacting or only slightly reacting and I'm on the cusp of losing it. And then if I look at you in that moment, then I will lose it. Cause I'm like, God damn, he's, he's, he's not laughing. <laughs> yeah. If I can see you losing it, I would just use every fiber of my being to just gather my thoughts in a dark place. Um, knowing that that will make you laugh even more. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's something like every single, I always bring it up to students and, 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 but knowing full well that I'm guilty of it. And it's like the one thing that I'm always like so keen to get better at, Mm -hmm. but I guess I'm just having too much fun. Here's some advice. Play every show as if the entire audience has never seen an improv show before. I think um, it's just so important to take care of your audience and every single person in that audience. And our suggestion is repugnant. Mm. Tell you what, this uh, this stew is it's pretty sloppy, isn't it? Um, it's a, it's a wet stew. Yeah. Yeah. The, the heavy on the, heavy on the grey box. Mm. Well, I yeah. guess it's, I can't expect any more from the Talangi pub. It's pretty, pretty small time out here. Hmm. I mean, it's not like one of those big city pubs that... I suppose we're used to. No, yeah. Mm. Being from the big city and all. Uh Uh-huh. But we chose to change our lifestyle. Here we Mm -hmm. are. This is our local now. Yep. It's wet stew for the foreseeable future, I guess, on a Monday. Mm Mm-hmm. Stew night. Yep, but uh, we just need to remind ourselves that this is... What we wanted. It's what it's for for the for our own good. It's better for our families. Mm-hmm. You know, a dollar stretches a lot further out here. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, uh, we're, we're out of the rat race. That's it. That's yep. that's good. Yep. No more. No more. Um, you know, business business wines and. No more scotch in the cupboard at, at the office. Yeah. No, no more, more climbing that corporate ladder. No, no. No more of uh, just uh, working really hard to close a business deal. Mm. Mm. Thrilling mm. as it may be when yeah. the actual deal gets closed. 
Yep. Not worth not worth it. Not worth the grind. Not not worth the all the friends that we made and mm. and all the, you know, um awards that we'd won and mm-hmm. you're saying you're saying positive things right now. Yeah. Yeah, but it's you know, it's not it's not worth it. All the accolades, all the fancy clothes that I was able to buy, all the all the tech that my boss would give me. Mm-hmm. All those nice nice pieces of art that I had around my office and I guess it's not worth it for the uh the grind. Yeah. 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 Just as just as you said, yeah. Yeah, but um just so we're clear the what is the grind? The grind, I guess what what would I how would I how would I articulate the grind? I guess it's you know, it's the it's the getting up in the morning for a nice cooked breakfast at the cafe. Um That no that, once again those are positive things. Yeah, look, I really miss I really miss the big city. I miss the city too, and I can't remember why we moved. I mean, I can't remember a single reason why we wanted to go country. There's nothing here for us. Not, the stew is disgusting. It's, this is Gravox. This is just a jar of Gravox. Oh, I'm so glad I got that off my chest, out my mouth. Ugh, me too. I just, I hate these people. I hate this town. Everyone's walking slow, talking slow. Oh my god! It's like they got not a worry in the world. I've got a, yeah. I've got a business deal to close in my mind. I know. Um, should we go back? Yes. Bye, bud. Hey. There you have it, my friends. That was Mario Hanna. What a legend. What a cool, calm, collected legend. Uh, you can check us out at Swing Set Comedy on Instagram. We usually do shows fortnightly at Improv Conspiracy. Uh, that'll hopefully recommence sometime towards the end of the year. Who knows? Have we done our last show? That would be sad. That'd be very sad, wouldn't it? I don't think we have... Um, that's all from me. It's my birthday today, so I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> Have a good one. The Improv Conspiracy offers workshops in improv and sketch comedy all year round. Head to improvconspiracy.com for information. 